It's me, it's me, it's Artist T. Hey, Artist T is here. So hey, man. Is, uh, how you doing today? Good, good, good. It's time for another episode of Two Marks and One, one Mike. Or Two Marks, One Mike. However you want to say it. Doesn't matter. You know, as trial lawyers, uh, every month we get an issue of the Tennessee Jury Verdict Reporter. And I go through it to, to pick out, to, to really make me feel good about my cases because there's some cases in these reporter that are just cases from hell. Well, and, and, and you know, uh, uh, <laughs> there, there's one in here particularly this time that, that uh, we both kind of took, take a look at that gives us an opportunity to talk about what comparative fault means in Tennessee. And, and, and what slip and fall premises liability means in Tennessee. Right. How many times do you take a phone call where someone calls up and falls in a business and thinks they're automatically entitled to their medical bills being paid. That's right. Yeah, it, we, we get those frequently. So just because you fall on somebody else's property does not mean... Automatically. That, that the property owner... Slam dunk. That, that, that no, they're responsible. It no, we that. have to show that the property owner knew or should have known about a defect in the premises. For example, an, e an easy example would be raining outside, leaky roof, puddle in the floor that they knew about, they never did fix. You walk in there, slip in that puddle and hurt yourself. That's an example, a slam dunk case with the property owner never should have known about that puddle in the floor. Now, that's correct, cause, cause but it's not even a slam dunk. That's not even a slam that's dunk. That's not even a slam dunk because premises cases can be difficult. So that, that gives us a basis, the, the, the facts that you just talked about, is, is that shows that the one of the elements that you have to establish in the premises case is that the owner of the property or the person that's renting the property, whoever's responsible for that property, had knowledge of that defective condition. So that's just one thing, knowledge. Whether the knowledge is actual knowledge or existed right. for a sufficient yes, period of time right. that, that they have constructive knowledge that they should have known. So that's that first element you're talking about. And uh, this case today we're going to be talking about is a case that happened at a bar, which is always a bad sign. Cowboy Saloon in Columbia, Tennessee. Cowboy Saloon in Columbia, Tennessee. The plaintiff uh, parked with his girlfriend at an adjacent parking lot at a place called Tobacco for Less. So right. you, you could probably envision where this saloon is next to a store called Tobacco for Less. Yes. He parked there, he walked in the bar. Now, whenever you have a bar, and alcohol is involved, either a plaintiff or a defendant, how many beers do they typically have? Well, they always have two beers. Two beers, and, and two, always two beers. Yeah, yeah. Now, why not just one beer? Well, but you just can't just drink one. Very good, like okay, oh, okay. So, so why not three beers? Well, because then you get over the limit. Right, so every case, every, every 34 years, 34 years, plaintiff or defendant, my client or the right. defendant, driving a car, it's always two beers. It's well, always two beers. Well, in this particular case... It was two warm beers. Exactly. It was two warm beers that he didn't finish. Well, and, and, and remember, in this particular case is that when this guy walked from this parking lot of the, the, the tobacco store next door uh, and walked into this bar, this bar had a out sign, a sign out by the road where yeah. they actually had an extension cord yes. to light the sign. Classy so, place. Uh, the, Classy place. So... so what, what, in this particular case, what this defective condition was, was this extension cord right. that went out to uh, uh, the side. Yeah. So this guy 
leaves the tobacco store parking lot, walks with his girlfriend, with his girlfriend, yeah. steps across this extension car, walks across and it. goes into the bar. Into the bar. Okay. Into so, the bar. So the he, he, he orders a beer. It was warm, so he didn't finish it because he knows that you know he can't be drunk and have a claim. You know, right. so he orders one beer. He talks. He says it's warm, right. so he didn't finish it. He orders a second beer. There you go. Two beers. Two, two beers. Two beers. And he didn't finish that beer either because right. it was warm. Exactly. So, exactly. so, 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 so I'm kind of going, okay, all right, that sounds okay. You had two warm beers. Yeah. You didn't finish it. So what happens next? Well, so uh, at least the facts in this case, he decides to switch to moonshine. Yes, moonshine. He had moonshine shots. Yeah, moonshine shots. With his friends. Now, the, the, the facts uh, that's reported, it's unclear whether those moonshine shots were purchased at the yeah. bar or whether somebody had had brought it in in a jar. <laughs> exactly. You know, uh, so, where, it's where the, the Cowboys alone. So of course Cowboys the Cowboys alone. brought it in. But, but, but it's a good point about the, the second thing was about the extension cord. Yeah. Um, now we know that this bar had notice of the extension cord, so that's established because they're the ones that put it there, and the facts suggest that the that extension cord had been there for a long, Check. long time. The owner of the premises have got to know about the defect, either did it themselves, or had known about it long enough where they should have fixed it. You know, so we have that check mark right there. Exactly. So that's a plus for the plaintiff. You right. know, negative for the plaintiff for shots of moonshine. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, plus for the plaintiff, he walked in without hitting the cord. I mean, the cord out there. Uh, negative for the plaintiff, when he walked out, what happened? Well, he, we know he had part of two warm beers yeah. and moonshine. And moonshine. Okay, so that's not good. That's, that's, not, that's good. not good. So he walks out of the bar, going back to his car, bike parked in Tobacco for Less with his girlfriend. He catches his foot on the wire, the, the wire yeah. that was there, falls, and hurts and hits his knee. Correct. Hits his knee. Uh, now, his girlfriend said that when he fell and hit his knee, his shoes came off. His right. shoe went up in the air. And there was an expletive, I think, that was associated with how that okay, happened. So, but so but that's a, we don't know what that is. Well, so, well, still, I mean, so the girlfriend sees a shoe flying up in the air, but if you fall, if you trip and hit your knee, just the, just the physical ability to have your shoe go up in the air. Right. I'm not sure what happened with that, you know. But he hit his knee, and he has a, a, a road rash because of that right there. Okay, well, so... So what we know about this case, uh, if we look just at the facts and don't comment at this point on, on how truthful or how believable these people may have been, what we know is this condition existed, right? We know that this guy went into the bar. We know that when he came out, he actually fell over this existing mm -hmm. condition. And he had some moonshine. And he had some moonshine. So, so, so what, what does a jury do uh, once they have these facts? If you look at just those bare facts, it looks like, gosh, the, the, the condition existed. The bar knew about it. He came out. He tripped over this wire. So the existed the, the condition that existed that was created by the bar actually resulted in his injuries. There's something in Tennessee called comparative fault. Comparative fault. Back in the day, back in 1992, there was no such thing as comparative right. fault. There was a case that came out in 1992 that actually established comparative fault, where the jury assesses the fault of the property owner for having that wire out there with the fault of the plaintiff for having moonshine shots and walking out to his car. And I imagine in this particular case, even though the, the, the facts that we have don't give us a lot of detail, I'm sure part of the arguments were that the, the, the person that ended up falling had also had knowledge of the wire because he stepped across it. Right. That does not necessarily mean he had knowledge. His knowledge may not have been superior right. to the owner's knowledge, right. but we, we, I imagine that was part of the argument. Yeah. The, the second thing, as you talked about, Another thing that may have contributed to his comparative fault 
is that you've been in there drinking warm yeah. beers and, right. and, and hitting moonshine. Hitting moonshine, right, right. The, the, the other thing that a, a lawyer looks at in evaluating cases, not only liability, and liability here is, you know, kind of fuzzy, if not a slam dunk. We have arguments on both sides, you know, but for us to get involved as a lawyer, spend our time because we don't get paid unless you get paid. So we want to make sure that we have damages also. Now, this guy has some damages. He had $78,000 in medical bills because he had to had a, have a knee replacement surgery right. on the very knee he hit. That's correct. Now, bear in mind, he was on disability right. for this same knee. Right. Okay. So, so that raises some other issues that you can see in a case, and that is whether the damages that you sustained were really caused by the event or aggravated by, right. by the event. So in, and in Tennessee, we have to rely on medical proof to establish that it's either caused by this particular fall or the pre-existing condition he may have had was aggravated by this fall. So he actually had two previous surgeries on this same knee right. before this fall. So damages are kind of like, that's gonna be a problem right that, there. That, two previous that. surgeries on the same knee, right. you're on disability for this knee, right. you're drinking moonshine, you're heading out, you have fall, your, your shoe flies up, you know, and this poor plaintiff lawyer, I guess, had no, no settlement value at all. No, nothing was offered by the saloon to settle this case. We assume it wasn't. Because, I mean, Because he tried it. I, well, yeah, he had to try this case. Right. He had to try this case, you know, and uh, the jury was out for one hour, okay? You have a three-day trial, and the jury verdict is, with one, it is, is within one hour. Is that good or bad for the plaintiff? That's bad for the plaintiff. I tell you generally, right generally, the shorter the time period, <laughs> uh, uh, the worse it is. Yes, because you know the, the the shorter the time period, the jury's not having much discussion on. Let's talk about liability here. Let's talk about damages here. No, no, because the process <laughs> the jury goes through is, is is the analysis of these elements that we're talking about. Was there notice of the condition? Right. If there was notice of the condition, okay, yeah, they knew about it. The right. owners knew about it, and then they're going to start comparing right. fault. Yeah. And if they compare fault, and they know that the property owner is has a less percentage of fault than the actual injured party, they don't even need to get to the third part of the analysis, right. that is the damages. Well, that's what will happen so here. That's what it, that's what the, it. The, the jury, after an hour, found this this, this moonshine drinking cowboy 90% at fault that's for his injuries. And 90%, I mean, if you're 51% at fault for your injuries, plaintiff loses, Correct. okay? Defendant wins. They found the plaintiff was 90% at fault. They found 10% fault. I guess on the saloon because of why I was there. Right? Exactly right. So, so that's the way this comparative fault works in Tennessee. We we picked this case because it illustrates a few things. It, it illustrates how you compare a plaintiff or the injured party's fault with the property owner's fault. And this is also we, we do this in car wrecks too when you have a question of how how an accident may have happened. Right. But but you compare these two to determine. The percentage of fault that each party may have. And, and, and a car wreck case would be like you're at a stop sign, you look both ways, you pull out, other side hits you, you know, and you're claiming, you know, yeah, I, sh yeah, yeah, I did pull out, but the other car was speeding. And so you have the speeding with you pulling out, and the jury's able to assess the fault between the two parties. But this is, in my opinion, a case from hell for the plaintiff on liability and damages, and I did. I, yeah, the damage the lawyer. He didn't get paid. His client didn't get paid. But I guess the saloon is still there. Serving well, warm well, beer. And, and you know, uh, I guess the advice that we need to put out there, based on this case, is 
the saloon should sell cold beer. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. Then, this case would have never happened if he had cold beer. He may, it may not have ever happened. Well, there would be no need for the shots. No, yeah. Man, cold beer. So be he would have had us two cold beers. Wouldn't have been out of the limit. Would have gone and gotten us cold. That, that's the takeaway. That, exactly. That's the takeaway from this case. You know, be sure and serve cold beer. This has been two marks and one mic or two marks, one mic. See you next time.